Our scripture lesson for the morning comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 15, uh, beginning with verse 4 and reading through verse 13. Listen for the word of the Lord. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles have hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God for the reading and the hearing of this portion of his holy word. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. To you be all praise and glory as we pray in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. There are two basic attitudes toward life. One of hope, one of dread. One of trust, the other of fear. One of optimism, the other of gloom. A misprint of a weather forecast read, there's a 5% chance of today and tomorrow. And then in a Frank and Ernest cartoon, Frank rouses slowly from sleep, then looks out at the sun coming up and says dryly, well, the sun <clears throat> is rising in the east. So far, so good. <clears throat> There's an old story about a young lady who entered a convent with the idea of becoming a nun. The convent she chose, it seems, was very, very strict. They were so strict, in fact, that members had to take a vow of silence and were allowed only to speak two words every five years. Well, the young woman entered the convent, and after the first five years, she was called before the mother superior for the, the rare privilege of expressing herself in two words. What would you like to say, the mother superior asked the novice. Bad food, came the reply. Another five years passed, and the mother superior again offered the novice the opportunity to speak. What would you like to say this time, she asked. Hard bed, came the answer. Well, five years later, the mother superior asked a third time what she would like to say. I quit, the novice answered. Well, good, replied the mother superior. All you've done since you got here is complain. 
There are some people who live with such a negative feeling of, of dread and doom and pessimism about their lives that they dismiss the possibility of joy. That is one attitude toward life. However, it is not the Christian attitude toward life, which we see clearly in Advent. It was not St. Paul's attitude either. Paul knew. He knew that we live in a difficult world. He had experienced more than his share of sorrow and suffering. But the apostle believed that lasting joy and peace were not only possibilities in life, but would someday be permanent realities. That's why he wrote in our scripture lesson for today, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are two things I'd like to say about this idea. First, Advent proclaims that God offers hope to each of us. But how can that be, you say? The Christmas narrative itself seems to refute that claim. The birth of Jesus came at the most inopportune of moments, it would seem. God's timing seemed totally in error. The hustle and bustle of a major census of the population monopolized everybody's attention. Government agents were looking for adults to be counted, not for babies to be born. Innkeepers were seeking more beds in their buildings, not more space in their stables. And the angels, the angels sang during the darkness of the evening when only shepherds were awake. And their song was delivered to an obscure village far, far removed from the highways of commerce and culture. So it seems that God could have waited for a better time to incarnate his love in the midst of humanity. It would seem to have made more sense had the deity held out for more positive and hopeful circumstances. But then hope, as offered by the Lord, never makes sense. That's why a lot of people go through the motions of Christmas without ever encountering the message of Christmas. They think that God's only present when mortals are in the mood to seek or to look. That hope only thrives when situations look hopeful. So many people in our society today are burdened or broken. Despair seems to rear its head at every corner. I know that there are some here this morning who feel that way, who know firsthand in your own experience what I'm talking about. You're without your spouse, your parent, your brother or sister, your child, your pastor. You feel undone by your job. Your health and your optimism have disappeared. Times are tough, and you can't see any end in sight. But the good news of Advent is that Christ's birth can deliver a rebirth to you. God offers hope to each of us. Regardless of how low you feel or how lowly you have lived, the Spirit of the living Lord can fan into flame a passion for life which is stronger than any problem in your life. That little baby in a manger promises that no person, no person is ever too insignificant to encounter God's hope or too broken for it to 
you back together again. In 1945, when the dark clouds of death were hanging over our nation and World War II had taken such a terrible toll, it was then that Oscar Hammerstein wrote the famous words that you'll um, remember from a popular song. When you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of the storm is a golden sky and the sweet silver song of a lark. Walk on through the wind, walk on through the rain. Though your dreams be tossed and blown, walk on. Walk on with hope in your heart, and you'll never walk alone. I know the truth of those words. There's a difference between being down and being defeated. And there's a difference between being hurt and being hopeless. I think it's crucial today that we're able to know that difference. In the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, there is reason for hope. God is with us. He comes to us. He is beside us. He's on our side. Even though the darkness may be all around us. And he will do for us what he has done for many others before us. God offers hope to each of us. But that's not all. There's more. Secondly, Advent proclaims that God offers hope through each of us to all the world. It's no accident, no accident at all that the verses we read in our scripture lesson about hope are found in the middle of a, session, a section in Romans which addresses the relationship between the strong and the weak, the Jew and the Gentile, the haves and the have-nots. Hope is never given exclusively to one person and withheld from another. Once we have found hope in our lives, we must spend the rest of our lives trying to give it away. Just as Christmas happened 2,000 years ago because of the hope offered in Jesus, Christmas in 2022 will take place only as hope is incarnated through each and every one of us. One author has suggested that the church's responsibility is to irrigate society with hope. Through us, God's presence is channeled to others, bringing new life, freshness, and vitality. Do you know someone who needs, whose life needs irrigating with hope this morning? There are many people in our midst, without doubt, who desperately need what God's hope can bring. They're depressed colleagues in the office, frustrated neighbors across the street, or the deflated sister or brother in Christ next to us this morning. These people want desperately the hope that Advent brings. But such a hope must come through people of faith like us. The gift of food or clothing to a forgotten family or the special note to a, a grieving friend could incarnate hope in their lives in a way that enables them to keep holding on. That hug or, or squeeze of the hand or impromptu visit to a person in need could irrigate their dried up dreams and, and dried up existence. Yes, through our labor and love, hope becomes real for others. God offers hope through each of us 
to all the world. Yes, there are two basic attitudes toward life. You and I are free to choose. We can believe there's a 5% chance of today and tomorrow, or we can believe the good news of Christmas, that God is alive and well and at work in our world, bringing in a kingdom of love and peace. We can face the future with fear and foreboding, or we can trust in the God who has sustained us through the years and has promised he'll never forget us or forsake us regardless of our situation. We can choose to live in continued darkness, or we can step into the light of hope. So this is Advent, and we celebrate this Advent, the God of hope, the message of good news for all persons. Let us pray. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.